We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The second half of the Charger season is in full swing with plenty of high-profile matchups against teams in the division like the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chiefs, plus a lot of teams that are going to be coming to L.A., with a vengeance like the Patriots and the Steelers. Even if you're an away fan, you still want to see Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and all the guys come to your city. Maybe if you live in Philadelphia or if you live in Ohio, or even if you're deep in enemy territory, perhaps at mile high. The Chargers will be coming to all of those places and more in the second half of the season, and this could end up being a historic Super Bowl run for this team. So, you don't want to miss a single second of it if you get a chance to go to one of these games. That's where TickPick comes in. They want to send you to all of these games. And the best part about TickPick is that they're very simple to use and they don't want to give you those high-end fees that other ticketing sites will give you. Plus, some fees that come out of nowhere, frankly. So, on top of that, they also want to give you $10 off your first ticketing purchase how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to go to TickPick.com slash Charged. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Charged to get $10 off of your first ticketing purchase. As fun as highlights are to watch on Twitter, there's nothing that beats the real experience. You want to say that you were there in person when Justin Herbert threw that ball to Mike Williams that ended the game on a game-winning touchdown, or Derwin James getting a game-ending pick six. You want to be there for all of it because this team, this season, is special. So again, go to TickPick.com slash Charged, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Charged for $10 off of your first ticketing purchase, Bolt Up. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I am your host. Excited to dive into this matchup as always with my guys, uh, Tyler and Alex. Uh, Alex, we'll start with you. Uh, how are you doing, man? And uh, for those who missed the announcement today, why don't you uh, explain your little reference for the day? <laughs> oh yeah so they bought pat mcafee show for 30 million dollars or whatever per year so we are selling our show for 30 dollars per year if you'd like, <laughs> uh, if you'd like to buy the guilty as charge podcast that is what it'll cost but uh 
price will go up eventually but uh no i'm doing good sounds good man it was uh crazy to see that obviously you know they've had a, a very famous road I, I think most of our listeners if not you know a good portion listen to the pat McAfee show so uh shout out to pat really crushing the game and changing the game uh you know in courtesy of people like fanduel so uh tyler tyler gretzky is here as well tyler how you doing man uh, i'm doing good you know if i follow along this path one day i'll be like uh wayne gretzky as well i also got to thank bolt up thor for this signed uh austin eckler card he sent it to me as a part of a giveaway for an austin eckler donation foundation sort of thing so i don't know if you watch the show but thank you very much bolt up thor i appreciate it hope to have a good show i'm pretty sure he does so bolt up thor is a great guy i've, I've seen him a couple of times at tailgates uh shout out to him and really everybody at the diehard bull club uh it's been fun to get to know a lot of them so um i figured this week we'll mix up the order a little bit and and talk about some of the injuries and unfortunately uh the covid news regarding this weekend's game uh we'll get the giants ones out of the way first uh because daniel jones is not going to play this week so we 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 will be seeing a backup quarterback of sorts for the Giants. Um, Mike Glennon is the quarterback too, but he is questionable to play this weekend because he has a concussion. Joe Judge thinks that he uh, will be able to clear concussion protocol in time to play on Sunday. However, he will not be practicing this week. So, uh, you know, you can talk about the importance of lack of reps and all that stuff. He's not going to practice this week, which would be his, uh, third week for the Giants as their team starter because he started a game back in week five. Uh, so if he is unable to clear protocol, then we would see Jake Fromm, former Georgia Bulldog, former Buffalo Bills practice squad quarterback, Jake Fromm. So uh, Tyler, we'll start with you. What are you making of the uh, Giants quarterback situation this week? Yeah, I mean, no one likes beating up New York-based team, white quarterback, backup quarterbacks as much as Joey Bosa. And so, <laughs> hey, I'm looking forward to it. The Chargers could really, I don't want to say it was use a break, but, you know, the the, the past defense has, has been struggling as of late, at least in terms of coverage. And so them getting either Jake from, now, I like from a lot out of college in the sense that I think he made really good decisions. He was a, <laughs> a poor man's Mac Jones, whatever you want to call that. <laughs> um, obviously one was taken in the fifth round was taken in the first round and Mac Jones is doing very well. Um, but his decision-making is pretty solid. I don't know how he's played in the NFL so far in any preseason or whatever action, but as far as college, I think he was a good quarterback in terms of what was up here. Unfortunately, there's not much below the, the, the head there, the brain There's not much <laughs> going on in terms of arms. So it's kind of like a potential Roethlisberger repeat. Hopefully he's a little better than Roethlisberger, at least for his sake. Um, but yeah, a nice reprieve. No Daniel Jones. Jake Fromm is also not much of an athletic quarterback. I don't believe Mike Glennon is either in terms of running the football. So taking that element out of things as well is really solid. So yay, we get to play the Giants with a backup quarterback. I almost would prefer Daniel Jones in the sense that I believe the turnovers would be great from him. Whereas I think Fromm will generally, if he plays, will generally keep the turnovers from happening. Whereas Daniel Jones is guaranteed to give you two or so per game. Uh, but either way, it's it's a good situation for the Chargers and potentially a get-right game for the pass coverage. Yeah, I I don't think it matters whether it's Glennon or Prom. <laughs> I mean, that offense is just terrible, and like, there's no working around it. Like, they have so many problems on the offensive line. 
the, the guy who's kind of supposed to be the X factor in their offense and Saquon is clearly still not the same after the ACL injury. That's probably going to take another year. Um, and so if you don't have him and you can't get anything going on the ground game, then who your quarterback is isn't really going to matter. Uh, so that's sort of how I feel about it. I mean, honestly, I think Mike Glennon is much more likely to turn it over than Daniel Jones is at this point. I think Jones for the season only has seven interceptions, three of which came in one game. Um, obviously, you know, he's missed some time, but, you know, he's kind of done a decent job of at least game managing this year and not turning it over quite as much. So I'd kind of rather play from or somebody else in that regard. But I think they're kind of still dealing with the aftermath of, of firing Garrett. And now they have uh, Freddie Kitchens in there uh, who's going to cook up something good. And uh, yeah, no, it's been really just dismal offense. I think they haven't scored like more than 13 points in a month or something. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's pretty bad over there. So uh, this should be a get right game for the defense. And I'm just not seeing how the Giants really put up points on the board, regardless of who the quarterback is. Yeah. So to Alex's point here, Mike Lennon has made uh, seven starts over the last two seasons for the Jaguars and for the Giants. Uh, he's thrown eight touchdowns and eight interceptions in those uh, seven starts. And he's also lost three fumbles. So um, there's going to be a propensity for turnovers in this game, almost regardless of who is playing, in my opinion. Um, you know, Jake Fromm was somebody that I liked coming out of college as well, just because, you know, his decision making, his processing was really, you know, high level. That quarterback class outside of the top tier wasn't necessarily great by any means. But I mean, he hasn't played like he hasn't played like at all in the NFL. You know, he didn't get a preseason last year. He was on the practice squad for the Bills. And then this year, I don't really know how much he played in the preseason for the Bills. Uh, he gets cut from the practice squad, I think, like a month ago. So he's only been on the Giants for like three or four weeks, um, if that, because I think they signed him once Daniel Jones was hurt to be Mike Lennon's backup. So uh, the, the Giants offense is a mess with Daniel Jones, and I think it, it's an even bigger mess with whoever is playing quarterback this week um, and going forward as long as Daniel Jones is out. So. You know, Alex mentioned the the lack of scoring. They they have scored 20 points or less in eight games this year. That's eight out of 12. So, uh, you know, I'm not great at math, but I, I know that that's not very good. Um, so, you know, the, the Giants mess is an offense, and it's a mess for, you know, a variety of reasons, but the quarterback play has certainly not helped, and I don't think it's going to help this week either for whoever is playing this week for the Giants. You're on mute, Tyler. Hello, everyone. Uh, <laughs> so it doesn't seem like it's going to potentially be a, like a Duck Hodges situation where at least he had receivers no. to throw to and like a good general attack or, you know, passing attack around him. They got Tony's hurt. I forget whoever the receivers are out. Barkley's banged up. So it's going to be him and a bunch of not that great guys. So I feel pretty confident. Yeah. Kenny Galladay will play. Um, okay. Kenny Galladay leads them in receiving yards, but he's like 58th or 59th in receiving yards in the league. Uh, and they're paying him like the seventh most expensive receiver in the league. So that's fun for them. Um, Sterling Shepard is still on injured reserve. If I'm not mistaken, he really is like the, the slot go-to guy. Um, Kadarius Tony, obviously the explosive playmaker, but I think he's injured. I don't know if he's going to play or not. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, the receiving core has been injured slash not very good. Saquon has been injured slash not very good. 
uh, and then the quarterback is a mess. And then you have Jason Garrett, who's fired now, and Freddie Kitchens taking his place. So I know a lot of people are like nervous about this game. Uh, I, I'm not like I, the Giants are a bad football team, and they're playing potentially a third string quarterback. So uh, don't be nervous. In regards to Doc Hodges, I would just say uh, Mike Tomlin, a couple more wins on his resume, uh, analytics, <laughs> and Joe Judge. That too. That too. That helps. <laughs> that definitely helps. Um, all right, let's talk about the Chargers COVID situation because it is not great right now. Uh, Keenan Allen tested positive as of Monday. Um, he has a chance to play, according to Brandon Staley. However, Austin Eckler said in his press conference today uh, that Keenan's not playing. So, you know, I, not an official report, but. You know, based off of what we're seeing around the league in terms of positive tests, I would be pretty surprised if Keenan played this week. However, because he is vaccinated, he does have a good chance of playing next week. Um, because of his positive test, Mike Williams and Chris Harris are were deemed close contacts. They Neither of them are vaccinated, so the earliest that they could get back in the facility is Saturday. I know that there was some misreporting around that fact. But you have to be away from the team for five days, uh, and that starts as of Monday. So they can be back in the facility as of Saturday. So they will not practice this week. But as long as they continue to test negative, uh, they should be able to play on Sunday, much like Joey Bosa did uh, against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. So assuming those two play, Alex, what do you make of the lack of Keenan Allen in this game and kind of how the receiving dynamics will change for the chargers uh in this one yeah i mean i think they're pretty much going to ask mike williams to be wide receiver one if he plays um and you know i think he's shown at at points particularly earlier this season that he's able to do that um i think he kind of has a tougher matchup this week with the giants who have a much stingier secondary as Arjun points out in the chat like uh patrick graham has been a good defensive coordinator for them this season yes, and that certainly true. like a bright spot um, on the team. So for me, I I was very, very concerned when they were like, okay, Jalen Guyton's our wide receiver one because Mike Williams is out with COVID. Um, <laughs> that would have not been a pretty situation. And then you're yes. only two other wide receivers on the roster before going to the practice squad for KJ Hill and uh, more are Andre Roberts <laughs> and uh, Andre Roberts and Josh Palmer, which might have not yeah. been so pretty. Uh, but I think if you have one of them, they'll be fine in that regard. Sure. And then, yeah, as long as Chris Harris can play, I think he played fine last week. Then, you know, I, I don't know if the, you know Chris Harris will need to go super vertical in this game um, because I don't think the Giants will be, you know, throwing it too deep too often. But, you know, uh, he played OK in the intermediate range last week. So I think that Michael Davis and that group should still be fine this week uh, as long as Mike Glennon or Jake Brom are playing quarterback. Yeah, as far as Chris Harris Jr. goes, I wrote so many tweets and then deleted them. And I just was like, I don't know how I feel about this. I think I landed on indifferent to the whole thing. Like if he plays, cool. If he doesn't, cool. Like I guess probably throw somebody else in who probably give about the same amount of you know receptions and yards. And fewer complaining, fewer complaints though, so that's good. As far as Allen being out, I'm curious what they would do to replace what he does and has been doing the last, really since the bye. Uh, could they go back to Williams being that possession receiver, lots of slants, lots of more, more intermediate stuff to him? 
Or would they like to keep Williams in what seems to be his role now, at least in terms of how Herbert's been targeting him, which is push it downfield, sideline. Obviously, we see the, the deep overs all the time. And we saw it against the Bengals, but we're seeing a few more throws to the sideline with Williams. If they want to keep that, then they probably go Palmer and Palmer becomes a Keenan Allen, which makes sense. Palmer would be Keenan Allen. Um, so I think it could be a combination of both. But I'm, I, I'm just curious whether they go back to what they were doing with Williams to begin the season, because that was working. And the whole Mike Williams, X receiver, wide receiver, one thing was working. Why it didn't work after week three, four or so, I don't know. But they could go back to that. But if they want to keep everything that's been working, and I think the best of what Herbert was doing against the Bengals was having kind of Williams more deep and, and I guess, well, Allen, but not Palmer, more the intermediate with route running. I think they would lean more that way. Um, but it could, it could go either way. Or they just run the ball. <laughs> if they had a second running back, I would be more inclined to believe that last part. <laughs> um, but they don't. So, and Austin Eckler is banged up. So that's going to be uh, fun. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think Josh Palmer, in theory, like, quote unquote, you know, replaces Keenan Allen. I think, you know, he's going to take on a larger role in the same kind of routes because he, he does have a similar skill set. Of course, as, as Rogue Tiefling points out, you can't really replace Keenan Allen because he's just got such a good relationship with Justin Herbert, such a good uh, feeling of how to get open, of, of how to work against zone, against man and stuff like that. Um, so I do expect Palmer to kind of go into that role I would expect them to give Jalen Guyton some more targets, as as we saw last week. Not necessarily all deep targets, right? But you know they do a lot of work with Keenan Allen as like the secondary read off of an RPO or off of a swing pass or things like that. And I think that's an area where we could see Jalen Guyton kind of step into it. We saw a little bit of that uh, earlier in the season, particularly against the Washington Football Team, um, but. I mean, ultimately, I, I don't know how much they'll change the game plan. I think they might feature, you know, the tight ends a little bit more in this one as as we've kind of seen them, uh, you know, against the Raiders and against the Eagles where it was kind of a tight end heavy week. I think that's kind of an easier game plan fix as opposed to overhauling your offense because of Keenan Allen being out. Really cool that we have uh, three quarterbacks on the roster, four running backs, and one fullback <laughs> instead of six receivers that could have been kept in a week where we could be uh, potentially losing Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Great roster building. Yes, absolutely fantastic. And and for the record, like I don't know if this needs to be said or not, but uh, please activate Jason Moore and not KJ Hill. Um, don't necessarily hate KJ Hill by any means, but Jason Moore was the best non-Mike Williams, Keenan Allen receiver in training camp and preseason, in my opinion. Um, And he gives you a little bit of both there. Like he can do more of the deep and intermediate stuff as well as the short stuff, whereas KJ Hill is like exclusively short stuff. So uh, if you're going to activate a receiver this week, please activate Jason Moore. Mm. Uh, Okay, so was KJ Hill more involved? And obviously, did he make the roster because of special teams or because they also think think he's a better receiver than more. I, I think it's just special teams. <laughs> because if yeah. that's the case and he no longer has a role, then hopefully they do activate more. Yeah. I mean, I would hope so, but like, it's just like, I don't know what they want at this point. Cause they were like, well now Andre Roberts is the new KJ Hill. And so they use him in the offense sometimes. And then other times they just pretend he doesn't exist on offense. Yeah. So like they've been kind of going with four wide receivers and one special teams guy. Uh, so I feel like if 
in theory, Mike Williams were to be out along with Keenan Allen, then you probably just activate the one that's most similar to him. Cause like, I don't know, KJ Hill doesn't seem like he could replace Keenan Allen. Um, in really any way, they're not similar. Like if you're theoretically talking about someone he could replace Keenan, but like not really, cause he's not good. Uh, but <laughs> in terms of like skill set, you, you could draw that correlation, but yeah, he definitely could not replace the the physicality and, and what Mike Williams brings either. So that that's definitely yeah. more of a Jason Moore job. Right. They're going to have to adjust, you know, the game plan slightly, and you know, because you're going to have, you're not going to have the, the safety blanket there, right? Like Keenan Allen is, is that uh, shout out to Ross C. Johnson uh, hooking us up with a super chat. Uh, we got a fellow East coast listener. I'm, I've been generally surprised at how many East coast listeners we have. So that that's been fun to see. Uh, so shout out to Ross, but um, the other COVID thing uh, that came out today is that Scott Questenberry, the Chargers backup center, uh, has also tested positive for COVID. So we don't know if there have been any close contacts yet. Um, I assume we would find out tomorrow if there are any. Uh, please be no, and if you are, please be vaccinated uh, because you know the offensive line depth is is not great. You know, uh, Questenberry is the backup center, so it doesn't necessarily impact the starting lineup. But he was the team's jumbo package uh, player of choice last week, um, so they don't really have a backup center on the on the practice squad. Um, uh, Ryan Hunter, I would imagine, would get the elevation just because he's the only interior offensive lineman on the practice squad. I, I thought that Nate Gilliam was, uh, but someone corrected me and pointed out that he was actually cut a few weeks ago. So um, they don't necessarily have to activate anyone, right? Like, because Senor Calamente uh, is unfortunately still on the active roster, but they don't really have anyone else that has played center to my knowledge. Uh, so I'm curious to see if they do anything there, if they just kind of, you know, deal with the week off or, or what. I assume it would just be Hunter then, unless there's no way Hamas is playing, playing center. He's been doing everything but center. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this is the week that I need to try to inactivate Calamete again or not. <laughs> we probably have to keep him activated just just in case. I mean, uh, Rob Lindsley stays healthy, though. So, I, yeah, I don't think we can inactivate yeah. Calamete this week, but... Uh... Maybe there's other people that we can inactivate. Uh, obviously, we do not wish uh, COVID upon anyone, so <laughs> we hope uh, we hope Squat recovers. Yes, yeah, Squat, <laughs> good Squat. Throwback. Oh my Throwback. goodness. Throwback. Yeah, my goodness, that was fun. Um, all right, so that's that's pretty much it from the COVID situation. Uh, I am generally excited to see what they do with Josh Palmer this week. You know, I, I've been uh, clamoring for some more targets his way, so you know this could be kind of a, a good week for him. Um, in terms of injuries, uh, Kyler Fackrell apparently had knee surgery. Uh, Brandon Staley said it very nonchalantly. Uh, he said that he's out this week, but they don't think it's a season ender. So uh, unless mm-hmm. Kyler Fackrell is a superhuman and can recover from a, a even the minor, the most minor knee scopes, then he's probably out for the season. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at you guys' faces. Both of you are in the medical industry right now. So I'm just cracking up at the fact that Kyler Fackrell is having a knee surgery. That's considered only a week serious uh, as someone who's also had knee surgery. But uh, Alex, what are your thoughts here? 
I remember when Brian Belago was going to yeah, come exactly. back this season, and <laughs> yeah. uh, Brandon Staley went to the podium and said, "Yep, we don't expect it to be season-ending." So <laughs> I, uh, I don't think Kyler Fackrell is coming back. I don't think it's necessarily like the biggest deal in the world because they've sure. been getting some decent play out of Chris Rumpf, particularly last game. He's shown some flashes, um, and I think they have the edge depth right now to kind of compensate for it. Plus, Lieutenant Wilson has been playing better. Uh, mm-hmm. Joey Bosa is Joey Bosa. So I think they can get past it. But in terms of an expectation for Kyler Frankel to be back, I'd love to see it. But, <laughs> you know, Brandon Staley doesn't have a great history with uh, middle of the week surgeries. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I don't recall him missing time in the game. Like something must have just popped up. And all of a sudden he's, I mean, they got off the plane and like scheduled him for surgery and he's out for a game. I don't know what happened. Hopefully he's okay. But yeah, like Alex, like like pretty much everyone who's listening, I don't believe he'll be back. It's, a, it's some sort of knee surgery and like, oh yeah, I don't think it's season engine. Maybe he'll be back. No, I don't buy it. We again heard that with Balaga. Oh, well, you know, Chris Rumpf sort of stepped up. I think he had some good moments. I think he had some more clean up moments. Weren't exactly like initial wins for his sack or for his pressures or whatever, or his hits. But I thought he did look pretty solid. At least, if, if anything else, the motor and the effort was there. Can they get Rump to also set the edge? We'll find out. Like, I think he'd had a really solid game against the Bengals. Can he do that more than once? I would love for him to see it. Now, my only fear would be that they decide that Murray is healthy. And so let's go with more Murray edge snaps. Like, well, fact rolls out. Therefore, let's give Murray the more snaps. I hope they don't do that. I could see them doing that because they already did that with Murray and Rump. Rump was healthy and available. They said, uh, Murray, let's go with Murray. And that really hasn't worked out. <laughs> now he's yeah. sort of apparently hurt, but not really on the injury report. At least Murray is. So I don't know. We'll see where they go with them. But hopefully they give, you know, hopefully they activate uh, Egg Boulay, who dated my sister. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so that, that's currently no longer happening. So, you know, I hope he, I hope he does well and is all good in life. <laughs> I was... I was about to ask, hey, Steven, who's on the Chargers practice squad? Because I didn't remember Egg was there. But you sent us a stark reminder. <laughs> yes, and you'll never forget. Oh, that time when Tyler's sister dated an NFL player. Good stuff. Um, now, I am generally excited to see, you know, Chris Rumpf in action a little bit more because, you know, his development, you know, really will paint – you know, how much or how aggressive rather I want the Chargers to be at the edge position uh, in the offseason, right? Because I think it's safe to say that, you know, if Uchenna and Wosu kind of keeps up this trajectory, then he's he's earning himself another contract, right? Like he's earning himself the right to be that number two edge rusher again for the future. Um, you know, he's made some serious strides over the last few weeks. Kaiser White pretty much said that he uh, was a little too worried about his. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version, I'm sorry. Uh, we're, we're doing this a live stream and somebody said at least their date lasted longer than Belaga's game time with the Chargers. <laughs> I don't know if the date lasted that long. It wasn't that good. Of a date. Uh, say that. So I don't know. <laughs> at least Belaga made a good play. Oh my gosh. I think Belaga played like 20 snaps. So it was about an hour, hour of game time. 
Oh. I feel like I'm gonna get sued by the Chargers or something, like <laughs> defamation. So I'm just gonna shut up. <laughs> I just want to say, Emeka Egbule had a good preseason. <laughs> he did have a he good did. preseason. Um, uh, envy talent. I see your uh, super chat question really quickly. Um, out, he says, "Hey, I gotta say, outside of McKitty, our rookie class is getting in a lot of action with Asante Samuel coming back this week." Uh, we don't know if Asante Samuel Jr. is coming back this week. Uh, he does have a chance to play, according to Brandon Staley. Um, he's approaching the end of concussion protocol. But Trey McKitty's been playing a lot, man. Trey McKitty's played about 10, 15 mm-hmm. snaps a game, and mostly as a blocker, uh, and blocking pretty well. So um, really, the, the the thing, the name you should have put is Hymas. Outside of Hymas, uh, the mm-hmm. rookie class has mm-hmm. got a lot of action. And Webb. And who was well, Webb's on Web, Webb's on IR, right? Yeah, yeah. No, McKitty's getting more snaps. Although I noticed on the snap count, I think it was Anderson had like twenty something snaps or whatever against the Bengals. Yeah. I don't remember any of them. I don't know how I completely missed that. Me, me too. I really don't remember him either. They they flipped from the week before when it was all McKitty and no Anderson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that's fun. But yeah, as I was saying, I, I think Chris Rump's development really is kind of uh, an important storyline going down the rest of the season. They obviously are going to need him to play well. Um, and really, I, I gave him four pressures uh, from this week. Uh, I was excited to watch the defensive film, and, and I did uh, have a good time seeing him. I think his energy and effort you know, against the run really kind of stood out more so than his pass rushing mm-hmm. ability because... He hit Joe Burrow on a stunt. His sack was kind of, you know, Joe Burrow ran his like right into it pretty much. So um, he had a couple good rushes, right, that he didn't hit home necessarily. But uh, to me, his uh, effort against the run was really more impressive than his ability as a pass as a pass rusher. Yeah, I mean, personally, I just hope that Asante Samuel Jr. clears concussion protocol, is healthy, uh, and plays this week. That would be kind of fun. Uh, And also, I do kind of think that I would like to see him get some on-field reps uh, just prior to going into the Chiefs game in four days uh, after this one. Uh, Obviously, they could hold him out of this one, though. That's always a possibility for safety. But um, if he does clear concussion protocol, that's just, you know, I mean, it's a big advantage for the Chargers considering the state of the secondary. Who was I was barely listening to the press conference. Who was the person that texted Staley that I'm cleared, like either during the game or whatever it was? I think I think you might have been referring to Samuel Jr. I could be wrong. Someone in the chat may possibly know. This is what uh, I get for listening to it barely and then not going back. Was this yesterday with uh Yes? With Most Staley? press conference. Yeah. Huh. Oh, Limbaugh or I'm Joseph. crazy. Somebody said Limbaugh Joseph. Oh, Limbaugh Joseph. Okay. Gotcha. Never mind. Not even close to the same person. Oh, Steven's coughing again. Guys, please send in your super chat. Steven is really struggling with his cough <laughs> in the last few days. For just for, for just five dollars a super chat, you can get Steven the you can get brought, Steven the you can get Steven the inhaler he needs. I brought some hot tea today. You know, Tyler brought the the tea tea. I brought some some mm. hot tea for my throat today. Um, yes. All right. We'll move on to some of the other injury updates. Um, Austin Eckler was, yeah. Austin Eckler were limited in practice, expecting to play. Matt Filer is back to normal. Uh, Justin Jones did not practice yesterday. However, he did practice in a limited fashion uh, today. Same with Limbaugh Joseph, who no longer has COVID. 
Um, and then Alohi Gilman still not practicing. Uh, so don't really understand why he wasn't placed on injured reserve. Uh, do not expect him to play uh, this week. Um, so outside of Filer and Gilman, or Filer, excuse me, outside of Fackrell and Gilman, it appears the defense is uh, mostly healthy uh, with uh, Asante Samuel Jr. trending towards returning. And Joey Buzz is completely fine, right? Yeah, he, he wasn't even on the injury report. Perfect. So uh, I wouldn't count out Staley putting him on the injury report Friday just to mess <laughs> with the Giants, though. He has a he has a tendency to do that. So we'll see what player he does that with this week. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I hope Eckler plays, and I hope if he does play, he's healthy because you know he's looked banged up. Obviously, he had the fumbles last week against the Bengals. Um, not a game I would mind sitting him in, especially because they have the Chiefs in four days. But then they also have to monitor having potentially not having Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So, you know, that became more complicated this week in terms of, like, giving Eckler rest time. Uh, although, I mean, this kind of would be the game you'd like to see Jackson or Kelly or Roundtree or Bradwell do something. So we'll see how that goes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, let's move on here and really dive into this matchup. Excuse me, wrong uh, one there. Forgot to update this one. Live TV. My bad. All right, here we go. Uh, let's talk about the biggest storylines that we are focusing in on. Obviously, we could could have mentioned COVID here, um, but let's let's talk about this matchup specifically. Alex, what's the biggest storyline that you're uh, looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, I, I guess for me, it's the Giants' defense and how that affects sort of the rest of the game um, because I do think the Giants' defense has been very good. Um, they, they're, you know, it's the one aspect of their team that's, that is really solid. Um, their secondary is good. They have a good defensive line that can potentially give the chargers problems, especially with, uh, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, all those guys. Um, so yeah. And, and that does concern me particularly because of storm Norton and some of the weaknesses we've seen, uh, with Michael Schofield and then potentially Filer is not like hundred percent. So that's something that is concerning. So I'm going to say the Giants defense because that's sort of the thing that decides the 
game for me in a way and how it'll be played because I think if the Giants can keep it close with their defense, then that probably gives them more of an opportunity to kind of run the ball, establish something down the field. If they get down like the Bengals did last week, then it's hard to imagine Mike Glennon them, you know, throwing them back into the game, uh, yeah. you know, and having 44, 47 pass attempts, whatever he had last week uh, and, and being <laughs> successful with said pass attempts. So, yeah, I, I think the Giants defense is definitely the thing to watch here. If there is a chance that they were to upset the Chargers, I, I think that that's sort of the thing that could set them apart. So I'm curious to see with all of the COVID stuff happening with the Chargers, how they choose to attack uh, those cornerbacks, you know, and really assert their run game potentially with a banged up uh, Austin Eckler. And opposite of that, I'm looking at the Chargers offense and how they attack this defense. But I just want to know if the Chargers offense can string another game together. Let's put two in a row. That'd be great. Um, as much as I don't want to have Ryan knocked out of the postseason in our fantasy football league, um, he's facing somebody. He's facing somebody who has the entire Chargers roster on their fantasy team. Anywho, if you look at the everything post by after the, you know, the Patriots, no good. Eagles, great. Vikings, no good. Steelers, great. Broncos, no good. Bengals, great. And you know, for a variety of reasons, whether it be play calling, Herbert, the line, the drops, the interceptions, whatever, they just aren't able to string multiple games together. Well, can they do it this game? I think that they can. I don't see why they would. I know the Giants' defense is pretty solid, but I don't see why they couldn't have at least. A solid game. Do I need them to go, you know, 40 points? No. But can they put like 27 on the board, 24 without Keenan Allen, maybe? Uh, geez, that doesn't sound like I'd believe in Keenan Allen all that much. It's only a three-point difference. <laughs> but um, no, you know, can they can they put it together? I think they can. I think they have the pieces to do it. I, they've slightly changed their offense a bit um, to be a, a slightly bit different. I think everything which is clicking last week versus the best defense in terms of EPA per play that they faced all year. So hopefully these, those things continue. However, you know, I think this has been discussed by like Stevens mentioned it. A couple other podcasts have mentioned it. Every time things get a little bit tight, Lombardi tends to go back to things that are conservative and simple. And mm-hmm. they, they're just kind of afraid to throw those interceptions or or throw the you know interceptable ball or whatever it is. And I hope that doesn't happen this game because it, it could be tight. And I just hope that even when things are going rough, that they continue to try to push the ball, let Herbert throw it because you know, even against the, the Bengals, when things were, when they were up big, I mean, they, they started by throwing and when they were up big, they kept throwing. And when things were getting tight and the Bengals were coming back, they still kept throwing a couple more runs, more runs in the second quarter on first down, I believe. But yeah. overall, they averaged 10.6 yards per play on first down. So hopefully they continue with that. Even though things are going rough, they kept going, they kept pushing. And that just was enough to get them ahead that game. And hopefully they do that again this game if things get close. Yeah. Uh, quick shout out to Rich E for uh, the super chat. He has the Chargers winning thirty to seventeen. Uh, so we'll we'll definitely give our predictions later. But um, I think it's a pretty good prediction, honestly. Um, yeah, as for the offense in this one, Joe Lombardi was talking today um, about kind of what led to them, you know, really attacking the deep part of the field uh, Sunday as opposed to like what was happening in different situations and. Um, you know, he, of course, mentioned that, you know, they call deep shots a lot. There are deep designs into a lot of their passing concepts. It's just, you know, a lot of factors go into that. How is the defense playing you? What read is Justin making? Who is he, you know, trusting more to throw the ball to? But one of the things that he pointed out was that the Bengals were playing a lot of single high safety looks. And when they did go to a too high safety look, that their safeties 
would drive on Keenan Allen and, and the intermediate routes, which obviously opened up the deep part of the field. So obviously if Keenan Allen's not playing in this one, then the, the giant safeties have a little bit less to worry about. Um, and so I'm curious to see kind of how that comes about this week. And that's kind of what I'm paying attention to is how does the Chargers offense rebound in a sense of how are they going to create explosive plays down the field? Obviously, you're not going to change a whole lot of Jalen Guyton's, you know, routes. You're not going to change a whole lot of Mike Williams routes if he if he does play. Um, but, you know, I mentioned it might just be a tight end week because you're not necessarily trusting your receivers in this matchup you know might we finally see donald parham get more than five targets in a game or jared cook and uh really quickly that play where jared cook just kind of like gives up on third down like i saw a lot of people kind of defending him like oh herbert was getting sacked no you're a 13 year veteran you should always be running your route to the finish of the route um anyways that just really pissed me off so um, I think this could be a tight end game, and I, I'm curious to see how that kind of evolves in this one. And we saw the Chargers offense be really efficient against the Raiders and against the Philadelphia Eagles uh, by using their tight ends, and I think that's kind of the the bounce back that uh, or the direction that I would expect the offense to go in this one without Keenan Allen and potentially Mike Williams. Do you think the defensive front of the Giants allows them though to use their tight ends as pass catchers, or do you think it's more of a Stay in and you know pray to God Storm Norton holds up thing. Well, sorry, I, I the edge rushers for the Giants are not super concerning to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the interior defensive line, and I'll talk more about them later um, because that's that's going to be my key matchup of the day. Um, but I, I expect the Chargers pass protection to hold up, and, and you know I'm the Giants don't do anything fancy. They don't do a lot of simulated pressures. They don't do a lot of blitzing. They're pretty low in the blitz in the blitz rate. So I don't expect this to be a week where Justin Herbert is running for his life and he can't really figure out where pressure is coming from. The Giants are pretty straightforward in terms of we're just going to line up and we're just going to rush. So I do think that the pass protection will be fine this week. Well, that's good. Thanks, Dad, for setting in that super sticker. We were at South Coast Plaza today, and he bought my mom some Christmas gifts. So he's balling right now, you know? Hey, let's go. All right, so uh, I I guess I'll just dive in right now. So we'll talk about key matchups and X-Factors. My key matchup of the day is the Chargers interior offensive line versus the Giants interior defensive line. Mm -hmm. Uh, And really, like, when you're looking at roster construction, like, the interior defensive line of the Giants is really, like, the only position group that gives me pause for this matchup, you know, uh, and it's really just like kind of what I expect and hope that the chargers can build because they have some dudes up front. Uh, obviously I feel like a lot of people listening to this podcast will know about Leonard Williams, the former USC standout. Uh, but just really quickly running down Leonard Williams in particular, cause he's kind of that chess piece along the defensive line for the giants. He has 40 total pressures, on the season, which is ninth most among interior defensive linemen. He has seven sacks, uh, which is tied for third. And he has 20 run stops. So everybody kind of paints this picture of him only as a pass rusher. But he is a very solid run defender. He is uh, 13th most in the league among interior defensive linemen for run stops. Uh, And, you know, I mentioned kind of how they 
move him around. He plays every once in a while. He'll line up against centers in the A gap. But for the most part, he lines up in the B gap and he lines up directly over the tackle. Uh, he's got 273 snaps on the season in the B gap. He's got 201 snaps over the tackle. And then he even actually has 134 snaps on the edge. So they will move him around quite often to kind of seek out mismatches. Uh, very similar fashion to how the Rams use Jer- uh, Aaron Donald, excuse me. So Lenny Williams to me is is kind of specifically like the one that I'm focusing on here. here. But then you have Austin Johnson. Uh, some might recall I wanted the Chargers to trade for him. He's kind of played nose tackle for them, How even though he's only 305 pounds. So he's a, he's a light nose tackle. But he uh, has 27 run stops in the league, which is insane for a nose tackle uh, of that kind of caliber. So his 27 run stops are six most in the league. Uh, Again, he's mostly A gap and B gap. And then Dexter Lawrence is the last one there. He's got 28 pressures on the season, which is 20th most. He's got 17 run stops, which is also 20th most. Uh, Similar to Austin Johnson, he doesn't move around a ton. Uh, he's mostly B gap or directly over the tackle. So that trio of defensive linemen is very, very good. Um, you know, I mentioned the edge rushers. They don't really use a ton of them because they have those three that play uh, a ton of the snaps. And then you have Aziz Ojolari and Quincy Roche playing on the edge. So uh, how the Chargers go about generating push in the run game, how they go about protecting against that trio is the key matchup for me. I trust Matt Filer and Corey Lindsay to handle their business, but this, this is going to be a rough game for Michael Schofield. I just hope it's not Samuel Calamente against the Broncos rough that completely derails the game plan. Uh, yeah. No, go for it, Alex. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that I'm going to do the reverse of Steven's thing. I'm going to say chargers defensive line uh, versus giants offensive line. Uh, so for me, there you go. Uh, I think Steven posted earlier in the week that the Giants are now our 24th in uh, pass blocking efficiency, which is not very good. No, uh, sort of probably where the Chargers were last year <laughs> uh, in a lot of respects. Yeah. And they had uh, two guys retire before the season started. <laughs> um, so, that, you know, yeah. it's sort of it's been an adventure for them all year long. Uh, and I think we saw the Chargers sort of come into uh, the fray here and have a good defensive line all-around performance against the Bengals, mm-hmm. both from a pass rush perspective and a run-stomping perspective. Uh, a lot of that had to do with Herbert getting the Chargers that lead, but uh, ultimately they did a really good job against Joe Mixon, even when the game got close. So uh, I, I think this is kind of like, all right, well, are we going to have a repeat performance or are we going to kind of have a regression to what the mean has been for the defensive line performance? So yeah, uh, I'm going to say that, yeah, my key matchup is definitely going to be particularly the Chargers interior defensive line, but really the whole defensive line and how they play against another sort of subpar offensive line unit, but to see maybe if they can build some confidence Going to a Chiefs game where uh, their offensive line has certainly been playing well as of late, Creed Humphrey, which will make Steven mad. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, no, this is definitely a game where I want to see the Chargers come out and assert themselves on the defensive line. Uh, and uh, I just got to say real quick that uh, Russ said he wants to trade to the Giants, uh, and his Oof. whole beef this whole time is that uh, the Seattle offensive line has been bad, buddy. Uh, I don't think you know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> No, to their credit, at least they spent a first round pick on Thomas. Like, I think that I don't know what the Seahawks, well, no, they have Brown. I don't know. Anyway, 
Uh, great synergy on the show so far. I was going to go with Aziz Ojolari versus Rashawn Slater. It's not a perfect like matchup there. Ojolari is more 60% right tackle, 40% left tackle. But hey, that's still a good matchup. I mean, he was yeah. my edge rusher number one. Slater was my tackle number two. And so, you know, that'd be something to watch for sure. As far as the, the defensive line goes, what you guys were talking about, you know, you hope so much for let's say like Tillery to develop or even Jones to develop. And you're thinking like, Oh, I see that they're getting a little bit better every week, you know, whatever. And then you look at like Leonard Williams stats and it's like, Oh, that's what that's <laughs> supposed to look like. And that's kind of how I felt after watching say Matt Filer this year, where it's like, yeah. you know, okay. Like Matt Filer is excellent and we know we like him, but as soon as they swap him Calamete cause he gets hurt. It's like, Oh my God, he's really good. <laughs> and so I think, you know, I hope that the chargers address the position, the interior defensive line in a way that gets you some sort of Leonard Williams type, performance although that's you know that's 40 pressures is pretty good so i don't know if they can get that um so instead of ojalari versus slater which i will be watching i want to see herbert versus the safeties again kind of like what i said last week because yet like i said yes bates is a good safety but there's a feel about the Bengals where you're not as worried as the broncos or patriots even though bates was a good safety at least last year i don't know about this year kind of the same thing here with mckinney don't want to go after him but the three other safeties um ryan love and peppers all giving up passer ratings over 115. All four safeties combined are giving up almost 1,000 yards, uh, seven touchdowns, each of them a reception percentage of 72% or more. So go after these guys. Uh, is that simple? I don't know. Could they disguise things and do a great job? Sure. McKinney, I think, has like seven or five interceptions on the year. So maybe don't target him as much, but you can go after the other guys. And again, that same confidence, I think that Herbert had to go after the Cincinnati safeties um, especially because they were kind of biting or whatever. You know, I hopefully they can do that again against these giant safeties. So Ojalari versus Slater as a one-on-one matchup, and then Herbert versus safeties again. It's kind of like a step in his development going after these safeties. I don't know if he would have thrown that ball to Guyton when even when he had five yards on Bates. Granted, it was 62. It's a huge throw. And I don't know if he would <laughs> yeah. have thrown that against the Broncos, but he did against the Bengals. And hopefully it's a sign of things to come and that can translate again into this week. Yeah, you know, it's um, like throwing deep as much as people want to happen. It really like requires a lot of different things. And I think, you know, we saw that come to fruition last week when, you know, the protection for the most part did hold up. You know, you had the receivers making plays. You had the coverages kind of dictating those throws. Um, So I'm curious to see how the Giants kind of look at that uh, and play because, you know, from like an outsider's perspective, I'm not going up against Justin Herbert and saying, I'm going to play single high safety. And when I play too high safety, I'm going to drive on the shallow routes. Like I'm like, if I'm playing against Justin Herbert, I'm staying back and I'm letting, making him, you know, dink and dunk and, and have these long drives. So uh, I'm curious to see how the giants kind of play that too this week. Um, all right, let's move on to some X factors. Alex, we'll start with you on this one. Who is your X factor of the week? I think if the Giants are going to win, then the X factor in theory has to be Saquon Barkley. Um, Just because I think that's the one thing that can give the Chargers the problem. Um, Because a lot of people are like, you know, can this be a trap game for the Chargers? My answer is no, because I think the Giants are really bad. But if you told me that this team had Daniel Jones and they had, you know, post or pre ACL Saquon Barkley, I should say, then I'd be like, yeah, they have a chance. Uh, But so I think it's just going to be really about Ken Barkley kind of establish that ground game. You know, finally they gave him 11 carries last week. He did have five yards per carry. 
against Miami. So, you know, maybe he's kind of building a little bit of momentum in his last, uh, I think, five games. He's averaged four yards or more per carry. He's on only 3.8 for the season. So hopefully he's gaining some kind of momentum, um, you know, just for himself and his kind of career recovery. Uh, But I do think that given the state of the Chargers run defense, it's the one thing that can give them a problem. Although the Giants offensive line has been a mess and Saquon has never been a running back that has had the most vision Um, when, you know, in seeing lanes, it's just been more, well, he's going to accelerate and, beat you for that long deep play that you know ends up at a touchdown or a 40 50 yard run um so i'll say he's my x factor if you're just looking for a thing where you know if he has one of those 2019 2018 saquon performances then i think the chargers would be in trouble um other than that i'm not seeing a lot on the giants offense that could potentially give them that spark so i would say that is kind of the thing in terms of the big play that the Chargers do need to worry about this week. Yeah, I mean, Saquon definitely has the potential to pop one at any moment, right? Like, that's his thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm much less worried about Saquon and the Giants running game than I was, uh, you know, against the Bengals and the Broncos in their running game. Mm-hmm. A, because they had positive momentum from their backs. They have good offensive lines. They have good offensive line coaches. Uh, Saquon, you know, is definitely – a talented back, but the Giants don't have a good offensive line. They don't have a good offensive line coach. Um, so, like I said, Saquon could certainly could certainly pop one if it happens multiple times and the Chargers are in trouble. So I do agree that uh, from the Giants' perspective that he is the X factor. I'm mildly interested in Barkley having a bust game so Alex can win in fantasy football and potentially make the postseason so I can play his bum-ass team in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so that would be Be careful fun. what you wish for. I'm 7-1 no, 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 no. in the last eight games, baby. Yeah, but you ain't played me. Or maybe you did and I beat you. Anyway, um, all right. So am I the one that you lost? Anyway, my uh, X Factor. Okay, so I'm praying that they're not inactive. Um, I'm hoping they're not inactive. Jalen Guyton, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be inactive. But again, I could go three out of whatever. Um, so I think it's Jalen Guyton. One, because potentially Keenan Allen and Mike Williams don't play. And two, because Guyton has kind of become a new outlet for Herbert mm-hmm. in a variety of different ways and really building that trust. We have that, that deep shot versus Bates, the, the fourth down catch and scramble on the RPO throw downfield. That was to Guyton. And does that chemistry build? Because if you can do things like convert on fourth down on that crazy scramble, throw across the field, make a guy miss, or outmuscle Jesse Bates for a touchdown while drawing defensive pass interference, that's mm-hmm. big stuff. And so it's not even just an X factor for this game, potentially moving forward, because if they can make that work and that connection has been rekindled again, that's great for this offense. So, yeah. you know, I, I think whether it's the deep shots or whether it's the intermediate passes, or a run on first down, whatever it is. I think he can be the X factor in this game. How dare you even suggest that Jalen Guyton would be inactive? He's the recipient of the GAC bump. He will never <laughs> be inactive as long as the show exists. Be careful what you wish for, Alex. <laughs> no, I think that's the right call. And obviously, you know, Keenan Allen being inactive makes Jalen Guyton's uh, presence that much more important. Um, X factor for me, I'm going to go with Nasir Adderley. Uh, he's somebody that I, I I've been on for this season so far, you know, he's been somebody that has continually made progress this season. You know, even though, uh, I had some people saying that like, Oh, he wasn't that good to start the season. I, I completely disagree. 
I think he's been a solid player from the start, and he's really mm-hmm. coming into his own over the last month or so. Um, he's making ridiculous touchdown saving tackles consistently uh, you know, throughout each game. He's making great plays in space. He's been so physical and decisive in the way that he approaches the run fits as uh, coach Hill likes to say. So you're going up against Saquon Barkley in this one, a guy who has the tendency or at least the ability to break a tackle, break two tackles, and then take one to the house. You're going to need him to play. You also have Kadarius Tony in this one who I don't know if he's going to play. He's a little banged up right now, but he's somebody that makes people miss in space. You also have, you know, the tight end, Evan Ingram, who, again, is kind of that explosive, makes somebody miss, has the ability to take one to the house. So this is a, a very important game for the safeties, in my opinion, and specifically Nasir Adderley. He's also been really, really close, as Lorenzo is saying. He's left some picks on the field. He should have two or three right now. He doesn't. Um, you know, that play against Dalton Schultz against the Cowboys, even though he didn't come down with it, was an insane kind of play. Really showed off his athleticism. So um, I think we see him get – I keep on saying this because he keeps on getting these hands on these passes, but I think we see Nasir Adderley finally come down with an interception uh, in this one, and I think he has another big game. And – for those who are on Twitter, if you are active in the Pro Bowl voting, please include Nasir Adderley because I think he really deserves it. I think he is really coming into his own, uh, and I just have loved to see his development. He was somebody I wasn't excited about heading into the season. You know, He had a rough year last year, which was essentially his rookie season, um, but I think he is very comfortable in this scheme. I think he's comfortable playing next to Derwin. Uh, and he's just playing more confident, and I've loved to see him. I, I have loved to see his development uh, this season so far. It's been a week of high praise for Nasir Adderley. So mm-hmm. buy, hold, or sell. Nate Tice saying that Nasir Adderley was almost or as fun <laughs> to watch as Derwin James. Uh, fun, silly guy, uh, love him, sell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a little bit of an exaggeration by Nate Tice, but he has been on the Nate Tice, or he's been on the Nasir Adderley train for a while. Um, you know, and, and he's kind of mentioned that in this kind of scheme, you have to have those other kind of players, you know, like a Jordan Fuller, like an Asir Adderley, uh, that can, you can put back there, leave on an Island sometimes and continue to make plays. So, uh, definitely sound they tie saying that, but Nasir Adderley is making a strong impact. And like I said, I think he deserves to, uh, at least be in the Crowell conversation. No, he's come a long way. And if anything, I remember in 20, no, 2019, when I think Rayshon Jenkins had two or three weeks in a row where he let like a screen pass go for 60 yard touchdowns, one against the Colts, one against the Lions, potentially won the following week too. And that's just not happening anymore with this team. The, yeah. the, the corners are getting beat, but it's none of this like last line of defense is useless now. He's actually, I don't remember the last time he missed a tackle to give up a big gain or big touchdown. I can't think of one. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Washington game? Uh, he missed the interception? Is that the one you're talking about, Alex? Or is uh, there... the, I forget what the touchdown was against Washington where he like didn't turn around on coverage. Uh, that was just oh, flat yeah. out in coverage. I guess I mean like a dump off taken to the house. Oh. That Rachel Jenkins used to be like, oh, oops. 
and then uh, he did miss, he did miss the tackle against uh, taking oh, in yeah. space. Yeah. Oh yeah, Never mind. that was a pretty <laughs> bad one. Don't worry about that. I forgot that it. Was, That's yeah, that was a pretty bad one. one. He tried to like yeah. shove a six five two hundred eighty yeah. pound tight end. I'm like, what are you doing? Um, but like I said, I feel like he's been building and building. Uh, really excited to see uh, his development going forward. Um, all right, guys. Any other thoughts on some key matchups or X factors before we move on to uh, some bold predictions? Senor Calmante. <laughs> what if he's the backup center this week? Then that's fine, I guess. Corey Lindsay's <laughs> going to play, so that's all good. You can't hurt us as a backup center. If he's the um, backup center, I would actually go to church to pray for Corey Lindsay's health. <laughs> What's the what's the church situation like out there in, in the in the foreign country over there? I don't fucking know. I don't go to church. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you drive by one? Like, do you see them? Probably. I'm a Jew. I don't. I don't know what. <laughs> what does the church even look like? <laughs> He's in a foreign country. Church is a foreign concept. It's all good. Um, all right, let's get to some bold predictions. Tyler, why don't you start us off this week? Okay. So last week I said that I believe a running back would have either or behind Austin Eckler would have either have seven yards or over seven yards. I don't recall which, but Justin Jackson and the like the last drive of the game had a seven yard rush. Um, so I Sweet can't believe line. that that was so bold. Uh, so I'm going to increase my boldness a little bit here. I'm going to say that the running backs behind Austin Eckler will have two carries that go for more than six yards. So I'm upping. It's got to happen twice, but it's only six yards. But it has to be more than six yards. So that's so my bold prediction. It can be one person, or are you saying it, it, multiple of them? Anybody. It can be Gabe Neighbors. I don't care. Anybody that's not <laughs> named Austin Eckler. Very interesting. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I called Jalen Guyton touchdown last week. You know, so that was that was fun. So me and Tyler there both hit on our bold predictions. Um, I'm going to go for one that's a little bit bolder, given the recent state of his play. Uh, mm-hmm. Jared Cook, 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I feel like that's relatively bold, given the fact that he's averaging like 20 yards a game now. Um, but I feel like he could use a rebound potentially after, you know, just giving up on routes, um, you know, so he could he could rebound after that. And uh, yeah, let's just hope he has an impact on the game. So I'm going to try to manifest <laughs> that one. Like I manifested a Jalen Guyton touchdown. So I'm going to go uh, Jared Cook, 50 plus yards and a score with potentially Keenan Allen and maybe Mike Williams out. So he could have to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he better contribute, man. If if you can't contribute with uh, your top two receivers out, then uh, what are you doing? Look, I mean, I, I respect him doing as little work as possible for six million dollars a year. <laughs> I, I would also give up on routes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, that play really pissed me off. Um, In the guys, arms please. of the angels. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin. For just $5, you could get Stephen in a cents a day. Oh, my gosh. It's all the laughing today. You guys are cracking me up too much, which is making me cough. I'll just be serious. Um, there we go. All right. Uh, bold prediction. Uh, you know, Alex took the tight end, so I'll go somewhere else. Um, well, Rich, Rich E all over the place with a touchdown Palmer and an ASJ interception. Uh, if he plays, that would be fantastic. 
Uh, somebody said four more turnovers. I feel like that's pretty bold. Pretty tough to follow up four turnovers with four more turnovers. I'm going to go result here. And I'm going to say, you know, that the Chargers win by more than two touchdowns. That didn't work out for us the last time we did it. <laughs> well, Tyler did it against a good team. Tyler said win by 20 against the Cowboys. I'm saying you you beat the four and eight Giants by more than two touchdowns. You never know with the NFC East, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize Micah Parsons was Lawrence Taylor on the edge. So, oops. <laughs> hey, there's a, a certain uh, analyst at a certain company who actually believes that take to be true. Who is it? I'll, I'll text you later. It's a come on, a certain analyst from a certain company, like not ESPN, the other company we make fun of a lot. Hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll wait for your, your text. I can't <laughs> think of it. I also watch like no TV. So, by the way, speaking of analysts, can we talk about Dan Orlovsky citing the <laughs> fact that Matt Stafford is top 15 in touchdowns and yards for the fact that he likes him over Kyler Murray? Yeah, because he's played 10 more fucking years. <laughs> like, yeah. No, ESPN is a shit show. And Dan, I think, like, when he is analyzing film, like, he's good. Like, he's good at that part of his job. But when Mm -hmm. he goes on first take, he becomes, like, Max Kellerman 2.0, and it's just so hard to watch. Sure. So many hot takes and bullcrap. All right, let's get to our uh, league-wide picks. Before we do, Alex has uh, an update on the records as well as an ad for uh, ExpressVPN. Uh, welcome back to the record predictions. I, I honestly don't know what the records are anymore because I think Tyler and Steven have swapped records and it's confusing. But the fine folks at ExpressVPN try to make these records and our standings easier for you to understand. They also want to make it easier for you to watch live NFL games using International Game Pass. And they want you to get your favorite shows on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and the whole nine yards. Whatever country it's in, you can get it too using a three-month free trial of ExpressVPN. You can uh, get all the NFL games you want. You can get all the clips you want. You can get uh, the desecration of the Oakland Raiders and what's left of them. Uh, You can watch that for free on Game Pass. I say Oakland, Las Vegas, whatever the fuck. I don't care. Um, Anyway, that's brought to you by ExpressVPN. You can go to expressvpn.com slash guilty uh, and watch... Steven, take the lead in the picks uh, because right now Steven is 27 and 12 <laughs> after him and Tyler swapped records. So Tyler is now in last place. I am in the middle. I believe I'm 25 and 14 after a one and two effort. Thanks, Kirk Cousins losing to the Vikings. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they did beat themselves. You're not wrong. I'm off today. I don't know. Oakland Raiders, Vikings. I don't care. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I think that that puts Tyler in last place now, although I'm not totally certain what his record is at this point. Uh, I think Steven was like 15 and 21. So we'll put Tyler at, I don't know, 16 and 23. I don't know. Anyway, sure. we're just trying. <laughs> so, uh steven uh take it away or uh, actually who's going first in the picks i don't I know i think it's tyler's turn to go first this week okay. all right but I, have I, a, go, I just have steven. to say yeah so it'll be tyler alex and then me i the chips were down <laughs> i was in last place tyler made a bet that i could if i went three and oh for the first time this season we could swap records 
and it fucking happened. So coming in, coming through in the clutch, me with my picks. The one time I had to have the three no weekend, it happened. So shout out to Ty- me. Ty- Tyler. Really was the one who came in clutch for you. I mean, <laughs> he, he made you go three and zero when you like picked first. Like that's something you should have been doing for the last fourteen weeks, and you finally decided. You know, it's like the guy who you know finds the apple that one time. Like you know. Never heard I'll the Apple expression it. before. Uh, all right, so I'll... I forgot what the real <laughs> expression is. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. I am going to go first. I'm going to make a huge comeback a here. A broken I keep clock is right twice a day. That, yeah, that's the same like thing. That. You're looking for the squirrel and the nut. All right. Oh, uh, really good, one. guys. <laughs> no, the clock is a saying, too. It is. A broken clock is right twice a day is also a mm-hmm. saying. But he was looking for the squirrel finds the nut. Yes, very good. Well, I'm going to find some 3-0 and picks over here. So I get to go first. <laughs> I'm behind by an impossible amount of points at this point. But I'm happy for Steven. He now has a two-game lead over Alex. So that's great. Yes. Um, I'll take some hopeful layups over here. I'm going to take the Packers over the Bears. That feels comfortable um, because, what's his face? Rodgers owns the Bears as he's mm-hmm. proclaimed himself. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I like this one, but it's the Lions. I'll take the Broncos over the Lions to make things interesting. So at least I have something kind of interesting. Listen, I'm, I'm in last place. I don't really care anymore. Uh, and then for my upset, I'm going to take what everyone was going to pick if they was there. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams over the Cardinals. I'm surprised that the Broncos uh, spread is that much. It's a seven and a half on, on Yahoo, which... Uh, That's a surprise. Yeah. All right, Alex, go ahead. All right, I will try to name teams properly instead of state cities <laughs> that they don't play in anymore. Uh, again, these picks are brought to you by expressvpn.com slash guilty, where you can go get a three-month free trial of a VPN network. I will be taking the Chiefs over the Raiders. Um, that just, yeah, I, I think the Raiders are done as a team offensively. I don't yeah, no, they're a mess. I will take the Buccaneers over the Bills. Uh, I've had plenty of weeks on this show where I bet with Josh Allen and he lost <laughs> against the Jags. So I've had enough of the Bills. They're, they've collapsed seemingly uh, overnight, uh, just weirdly. So I'm going to take the Bucks in that one. And for my upset pick of the week, jeez, um, <laughs> uh, not a lot of great material here. Uh, as we say every single week. Uh, what's the line for Falcons Panthers? <laughs> Alex, do you ever prepare for these segments? It's crazy that we were tied last week. <laughs> um, to answer your question, the Panthers are favored by two and a half. Give me the Falcons in the upset then. Uh, so yeah, I will take the Chiefs over the Raiders. I will take the Buccaneers over the Bills, and I will take the Falcons over the Panthers. Uh, so that hopefully gets me a three and a week to get back into it with Steven. Still have to reset my brain to the fact that I'm not competing with Tyler anymore. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right. I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, even the Titans aren't exactly crushing it lately. I think Julio is back this week. Either way, the Titans should still win. Um. Wow, the Jets are really that bad. They're they're uh, five point underdogs to the Saints, who are also pretty bad. Um, I'm not betting with Taysom Hill. I'm, I can't pick Taysom Hill. Can't do it. Um, 
<laughs> While Stephen coughs, I would just like to remind you that uh, the Jets lost to Gardner Minshew last week. So, I mean, you know, you could take the backup quarterback thing into account, but they're pretty bad. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll take the Saints and the Jets. I've picked the Saints a bunch of times and they burn me, but I'll pick the Saints. Uh, and then nice. upset of the week, I'm going to take the Washington football team over the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys offense in a, in a bit of a rut. Uh, and Washington football team has won five games in a row. Uh, so I'm going to take Washington over Dallas. Not bad. I like it. I can't wait to see me eventually pass you, Steven, in just like six weeks. But, uh, you know, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm dying over here from <laughs> laughing and coughing. Uh, but we're almost done with the show. <laughs> All right. Take us home. All right. So I mentioned uh, Bolt Prediction. Chargers winning by multiple touchdowns. My actual prediction uh, is going to be that they win 31 to 17. So specifically right on the 14 point head. Uh, I just don't think the Giants are very good on offense. I don't expect them to be able to really kind of put up much of a fight on that end. Uh, I do expect the Giants defense to be able to make things close ish uh, in the first half and through the third quarter. Uh, but ultimately, I think Justin Herbert uh, is just too good. And uh, I think we do see a back-to-back win for the first time. So 31-17 is my prediction. Yeah, uh, I guess I'll go next. I will take the Chargers 24-13. to So I still do think it'll be right on that line, which I think is minus 10 right now. Uh, I don't see the Giants offense being able to do much given the state that they're in. But I think it might play out a little bit similarly to how their game against the Dolphins played out last week, where maybe it's close for a little bit and the Chargers pull away in the third and fourth quarter. Um, so I think the Chargers offense could be potentially a little bit lethargic just because they're playing this Giants defense uh, that has been you know, really tough to play for most of the season. And you haven't had them give up 20 plus points to a whole lot of teams recently. So I'm going to take the Chargers 24 to 13, hoping for a win and uh, hoping that we get some good momentum going into Kansas City. Yeah, again, so much depends on who plays. I still think the Chargers win regardless of who plays, but obviously the score changes. I might go a little bit more pessimistic like Alex sometimes does when there's injury reports, a little bit of a toss up, in this case, more of a COVID list report. Um, I think the score will seem closer than the actual game because I think, you know, garbage time touchdown here or whatever it makes the score look close but i think the game won't be as close so i do think the chargers win and i'm gonna have them winning 27 to 21 i think the, the giants could get like a garbage time touchdown or a couple of field goals or whatever it is um joe judge is a pretty awful uh situational football <laughs> coach so i'm sure he would kick fo- he would kick a field goal down two scores or whatever um, but 27 21 that feels about right and they can the chargers offense can get you know, 24 points on their own, another three points off of a turnover. I think they'd be really solid, nice momentum heading into Kansas City. There we go. And uh, just such an important game next week if the Chargers and the Chiefs are able to take care of business. Uh, really excited about that one. So, uh, Tyler, Alex, any uh, final thoughts here as we head out for the day? Because I uh, cannot stop coughing and Tyler also has to leave. Uh, nope, that's it. Just, you know, Ricola. <laughs> Alex, final thoughts, man. Uh, I hope Tavon Campbell has a really good game this week. Shout out to the city of Regina. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, you're going to break me this week. Um, yeah, I have no final thoughts. I can't really speak right now. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be going live on Sunday sometime after the game. We'll keep you posted. Uh, and that's going to do it for us today. And we'll see you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.